Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is the beat writer for Pitt Athletics at DK Pittsburgh Sports, Corey Crisson. How are you doing today, brother? Home from the act, fresh off of a 45-24 Pitt Panther win over Rhode Island to close out non-conference play. And look, with this team right now, Coming off the Western Michigan game, you know, there were obviously quarterback questions. Where's Keaton Slovis' health at? Where's everything at? Is he a band of candidates? Takes 31 carries. And we're going to talk a lot about RB1 in this show because, holy crap, four touchdowns. He is not <laughs> gassed. Uh, he is not looking for a lighter workload. Pat Narduzzi's not going to give him the lighter workload. In fact, he's going to give him just about an equal workload. 19 carries. He was unbelievable again against the Rams and... Look, Pitt's got to be feeling really good going into non-conference. Obviously, there's stuff to clean up, but we'll get into the state of where things are a little bit later, and especially given what right. happened in this Saturday at college football. But Pitt's got to feel really good about where they're at out of non-conference. I mean, I think they probably feel pretty good. You know, a win's a win. You want to make sure you get those when you should, and they did. Um, they they really got to get healthy, Corey. That seems to me to be the, the paramount problem right now. And aside from getting healthy, because that's a cliche that I don't think any of us can quantify really or control, mm-hmm. they need to keep the guys healthy that are here. And if that offensive line doesn't start protecting Keaton Slovis better, especially when he starts facing a better pass rush, they are in some serious trouble. Well, I'll, I'll, Put a little asterisk on that because Slovis was not sacked against Rhode Island. Now, you could attribute that to a few things. Number one, and namely being, Pitt is a Power 5 program. Rhode Island's an FCS program. Pitt could have their backups in for the entire game, which, by the way, they had most of the defensive backups in for a good chunk of the game. You could have your backup tackle, your backup guard, your backup center. You could have your right guard play center. And it's not going to kill you against the Rhode Island. So along the line of what you said, I'll bring it back against Georgia Tech, getting into ACC. Yes, of course, you want that offensive line to be short up. And now after Saturday, we have uh, another question mark with Gavin Bartholomew. As he comes out of the game, he's on the sideline in a sling. He doesn't play for half the game. So there's another roving question mark around the injury bug and, they sat out quite a bit of the prominent players today, as expected. Uh, Deslin Alexander dressed but didn't play. 
Marquez Williams dress, but they didn't play. So, you know, they're managing it as best as they can. And obviously with an FCS opponent, that helps. But again, you're going from FCS right into the, you know, the, the eye of the storm here with conference play starting up against right. Georgia Tech. And they, you're right, they didn't get sacks against Slovis, but he get hit a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a problem, I think, that we saw against every opponent that he's played against so far. He, he has a tendency to hold on to the ball to last minute, which, yeah, hey, that's guts. You want that in a quarterback. You want him to stand in there and take it. But it, against ACC competition, that does scare me a little bit. That propensity to hold on to the ball, the offensive line, letting it get a little bit leaky. That, that's the kind of stuff that I think will bite them if they're not careful. And, you know, the offensive line is is something that we touted as being a veteran unit. You'd like to see them kind of step up and hold that. They are making holes in the running game. You can't complain there. Now, you got to keep in mind as well, Gabe Hoy finally got his first taste of in-game action today uh, on Saturday, today, as we record this. So he didn't play the whole game, but he got some snaps at right tackle, which – that's a plus. Owen Drexel, sure. no telling on when Owen Drexel is going to be coming back. So is Jake Cradle the center until further notice and Blake Zubovic the right guard until further notice? Obviously, a lot of that's still TBD. So even with and, – and I asked Keen Slovis after the game about this, about, look, half of your line has been moving around. You have two starters injured. You have all of this going on. And despite in spite of all that, no sacks. And, yes – to your point, Gary, Rhode Island was able to create some pressure, but also keep in mind, they probably just started selling out for the run, like, a lot. <laughs> yeah. And why wouldn't you? I mean, when a band of Canada goes for 67 yards on Pitt's first offensive drive, or, uh, you know, Pitt's drive in the, the first quarter there, you know, you got to start. He's been hot two, three straight 100-yard games now. He's an all-purpose yard machine. He's taken an average of 25 carries in the last three games. Western Michigan, it worked. Rhode Island, it worked. Feed your workhorse the ball in. There was no sign of, number one, is he slowing down, and B, subsequently, Pat Narduzzi or Andre Powell or Frank Segetti even remotely considering pulling him. Absolutely. Another a good game, too, from uh, Gerard Means. And uh, Kanata Mumfeld, I think they both really kind of stepped up a little bit today in the absence of uh, their leader out there. Yeah, so, no, not bad. no Jared Wayne. Yeah, no Jared Wayne. And here's the, here's the stat that pops off the stat sheet to me. I don't know if you saw this or not yet, Gary. Keaton Slovis, 20-27, 189 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, wasn't sacked. They didn't ask him to be Dan Marino, right? So manage the game, feed your running backs, yada, yada, okay? Slovis throws for 189. This is according to the stat sheet I received, the booklet, at the press conference. I have the paper copy in my hand. Pitt receivers racked up 191 yards after the catch. Now, I'm no genius at math, but Slovis as a 189 passing, yak 191, that leads me to believe more yards after the catch that Keaton Slovis threw, which means <laughs> obviously a lot of checkdowns, a lot of Dinkin and Duncan, a lot of flats, a lot of a lot of that around the line of scrimmage, right? And look, right. 
I I think Pitt only took really one major shot down the field, and that was the throw to Mumfield in the fourth quarter when you know things were kind of out of it. Which that's fine, and, and we asked Slobus about that after, and he said, "Yeah, the coverage, we had to check down, etc." But to your point, Gary, Buff means six catches on eight targets, Mumfield five catches on seven targets, Vincent Davis three catches on four targets. Jaden Bradley, two catches on four targets. Then four other players had one target, one catch. So Slovis was pretty accurate, you know, all things considered with the ball. And look, of course, the yak is a big thing. And uh, players had to make the plays once they got the football. And and against the Rhode Island, you could do that. So what we'll hope to see against Georgia Tech, because now we're seeing Keaton Slovis is 100%, right? Pat Narduzzi. Basically Correct. said we're not paying we're not playing Keen until he's hundred percent. Keen Slovis has pretty much said, Yeah, I feel great, I'm good, no worries. So now with conference play coming in, you gotta expect some more shots down the field, some more action in the midfield. Uh Pittsburgh Steelers take note. Um <laughs> sorry, I had to throw that in there. Um well, be careful because you basically described the Canada offense too. Throwing behind the line of scrimmage, right? <laughs> a couple of comments in the live file suggested so. They're, I think it was like the first or second, you know, drive, and they're like, "Is this Matt Canada and all that?" No, yeah. it's not. No, it's not. Relax. So, I mean, I think Pitt will open it up. You know, obviously Western in Rhode Island. Keep the ball on the ground. The strength of your team right now is the running back room. Obviously, no Rodney Hammond again, but Izzy's your best offensive player right now. Ride him until you can. Right. Hey, let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk a little bit about the defensive performance in this game and kind of put a wrap on the whole non-conference portion of the schedule, shall we? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey Gary with you. And Corey, the next thing I wanted to touch on, man, was just the defense a little bit today. Um, you know, you give up 24 points to Rhode Island. It's it's not the end of the world. Like we said, you win the game. That's what you want to do. They've got a lot of injuries. So it's not as though that's a, a terrible thing. But 24 points is more than you'd like to give up to a school of that level if you're in a Power 5 conference. So what did you think of that? I mean, are are we making too much out of a number? Was it just a a few fluke plays? What do you think? I think it's exactly what you just said, a couple of fluke plays. First half, Rhode Island puts up 14 points. I'll go back to that first half, to those two touchdowns, because those two touchdowns were each set up by explosive plays. Here's the stat for you. 108 
out of Rhode Island's 144 yards in the first half. So 108 out of 144 came on two plays. Two. Wow. The 63-yard rushing touchdown from Marquez the Shields and a 45-yard catch by Paul Woods that set up the Shields' second touchdown near the end of the half. Other than that, and I wrote this in my game story, other than those two plays, Pitt held Rhode Island to 36 yards on 19 plays otherwise. So, yes, I think it is just a couple of miscues, and we asked Pat Nar- I asked Pat Narduzzi after the game about those, and look, Pitt played, and Narduzzi said it, and it's confirmed, a lot of twos, a lot of threes, a lot of fours on that defense. Right. I think really the only starter that I saw play, I don't want to say the whole game, but call it 90%, was Servasier Dennis at middle linebacker, the, the captain, the play caller, et cetera. Right. I mean, I'll hard, run through, Hard to replace him, yeah. Of course. I'll run through a few names right now, just off of reserves that got playing time and played in such a way, like significant snaps, not just, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, not just all that. So, Sean Fitzsimmons, Elliot Donald, Chris Maloney, Bambrina, Brima, uh, Nakai Johnson, PJ O'Brien, Justin Taliander, Ryland Gandy, just a few. So, this is the kind of game you want to do that, right? Where some of the guys that are going to redshirt, you're going to reserve them for their extra eligibility. This is the time to do it, and especially so much so with all of the injuries that Pitt has. Again, no Deslin Alexander, no Marquez Williams, um, did not did not dress. Devin Danielson didn't play. Deion Hayes obviously is out. Nate Temple. So you were missing some pieces on your defense. Um, your linebacking core, for the most part, is healthy. But again, I think Servassier was really the only one that played the majority of the snaps. So I don't want to read too much into the fact that Rhode Island put up 24 points and Again, the second half, they put up a three, they put up a seven, whatever. The game was out of hand at that point. You know, in, in the third quarter, right. Pitt was up to a, uh, a 31 to 31 to 17 lead. I mean, you don't want to read too much into it, I don't think. And especially given, again, and Narduzzi said it, and it's true, the twos, the threes, the fours that got the playing time. By the way, Sean Fitzsimmons, local kid, gets his first career sack. That was pretty awesome to see. <laughs> pretty awesome for, for sure. And, and I'd also say the last thing I'll, I'll say about the defense, the, the pit defense, the way that Narduzzi runs it, they're always going to, to be susceptible to those big splash plays. They, they, they leave those corners on an Island an awful lot and it's just going to happen on occasion. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess uh, it, it, just because uh, it's inferior competition, you shouldn't expect it to not happen in that, instance as well and Narduzzi broke down that first splash play this the, the touchdown run PJ O'Brien missed his assignment I mean watch the tape PJ right. O'Brien missed his assignment he went to the wrong gap and of course the hole was there and he's gone so one corrected assignment in a coverage play and those two touchdowns could have been wiped away I mean we could be looking at you know a 45 to 10 game I mean just that easily and again whatever the percentage may be, like 90% of the yards in the first half for Rhode Island came on those two plays. So I'm not too concerned over the point total. Well, speaking of uh, 
you know, assignments. You've you've been covering the beat here this this season so far. The non conference schedule is over. Uh, what did you think? Let's I mean let's wrap it up because we're gonna be moving into a, a much more contested ball now. That's right. With ACC playing, uh, it, it's an ACC only schedule from this point forward. Pitt is three and one. Let's take a step back and just look at the one loss. And look at the circumstances behind the one loss, and and you know, you and I have talked in this podcast. I've written about it at nauseum. It's it's out there. That loss to Tennessee, who by the way, just beat Florida. Wink, wink. Just beat Florida by five. You know, a, a top number twenty, 20 team, in the nation. A top twenty team. Tennessee currently ranked number eleven. Tennessee's probably moving into the top ten after that. So consider. Pitt loses in overtime, one score game, to a now top ten Tennessee team. I'm assuming, be weird if they weren't, to a, a soon to be top ten Tennessee team without Keaton Slovis for half of the game, and with a banged up Nick Patty for the other half and in overtime. And Pitt's defense, remember, down the stretch made unbelievable plays and held Hendon Hooker. You know. They made yeah. great plays down the stretch. So Pitt wins the backyard brawl, right? MJ Devonshire heroics. Keaton Slovis, by the way, perfect on that final scoring drive. And look, you're feeling good after week one. Week two happens. Of course, you're wondering injuries and quarterback and all this. Week three, the Nate Yarnell special. They go out and beat Western, and, and they stick to what they know, which is run the football. Week four, you beat the FCS. You run the football. I know there are some spots that Pitt is not perfect in, and Kalaja Kansi said it today. You know, we got things to clean up. We are not all there right now, as in, right. as in, we're not a perfect football team at this stage. But with everything in a in a ten thousand foot view considered, with everything that is in front of Pitt still, everything's still in front of Pitt in terms of the ACC, in terms of winning the Coastal. Miami just loses to Middle Tennessee. Syracuse is undefeated after just beating Virginia. Louisville, who people thought was going to be the darling of the conference, where have they been? So I think Pitt's in a good position just based off of what are the things that – and Gary, this is a question to bounce off of you. What are the things about non-conference play – that concern you other than health because that's obviously the big one what are the things that concern you about this team right now other than the health situation i i'd like to see a a real robin to the batman that is izzy abanacanda um and i think we had that when hammond is healthy um vincent davis is good I like watching him run and I think that they're starting to trust some of their other options a little bit more like Sebo Flemisher. Mm -hmm. I like, I like seeing him get those four carries today. I'd like to see him get a little bit more of a workload. I think Izzy's body type will break down over the season if he keeps carrying the ball this much, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's really it. I, I like most of it, I think I've even liked the formations starting to loosen up a little bit more. And I'm certainly mm-hmm. liking um, the way Mumfeld and Means are starting to step up a little bit and run better routes. There's progress there. 
There's yeah. definitely tangible and, and play calling aside. I know you want to see Slovis throw the ball down the field more because quite frankly, that's what he's best at. Look at the West Virginia game as a prime example. Vincent Davis has had two really good games in a row, by the way, while Izzy is just plowing through Davis against Rhode Island, seven carries, 51 yards. Uh, he doesn't lose any 7.3 per carry. That's pretty good for a complimentary back. And by the way, yeah. Rodney Hammond on the sideline pregame. I saw he was you know, 10 feet in front of me. He had his jersey on, obviously no pads. He had sweats on. I didn't see a walking boot. He was wearing sneakers. Nick Patty was on the sideline. Same deal. Jersey sweats. I didn't see a walking boot. So from the injury standpoint for those two, positive signs, right? They may not be healthy to play against Georgia Tech, but that's better than... They're in walking boots. There's zero chance of them playing in this non-conference. So absolutely, those two were certainly the situations around those two were certainly improving. Jared Wayne was on the sideline today. Um, so Devin Danielson was on the sideline today. So I mean, the injury bug. It's it, aside from Gavin Bartholomew, which we don't obviously we don't know. We won't know. That's how Pitt runs their ship. We'll see what happens with him, but. That situation certainly seems to be at least improving a little bit, again, aside from Bartholomew. Yeah, all in all, I'm pretty happy with it. I, you know, I obviously would have liked to have pulled it out against Tennessee, but you're right. Where they are right now, that, that's a quality loss. But in basically. hindsight, yeah, in hindsight, if you don't win the game, in hindsight, obviously if Pitt wins that game, right now we're talking about the Panthers as a top 15 team in the nation. We're, Easily, we're, talk, yeah. we're talking about Pitt as a top 15. Now, they'll probably stay in the top 25 based off of circumstances that happened on Saturday. You know, see Miami losing to Middle Tennessee State. You know, see Texas losing to Texas Tech. See Wake Forest, you know, Wake Forest losing. I mean, there are legitimate reasons for Pitt to hang around in that top 25 and that 20 to 25 range. I couldn't put a finger on exactly they might just stay at 24 i wouldn't rule that out but point is i mean rankings they're relative to a lot of different stuff so saturday you know when pitt's bashing rhode island saturday's a win for pitt with tennessee winning miami losing now miami losing down the you know down the stretch at last game of the year what does it mean for pitt i don't think it it won't mean anything for a college football playoff i think that might be out the window but for an acc title you're talking about a Miami team that's kind of low right now, and I know that game's a ways away, but still, that's something for their program to be concerned about. Yeah, the way they've looked so far, it almost feels like the prognosticators drank some of the coaching Kool-Aid a little bit because it, it hasn't been, it hasn't looked anywhere near as advertised. So we'll see how that all turns out. There's a lot of time left, and, and they've got a lot of competition left to, mm-hmm. to face as well. Well, what do you Let's say? Don't, a little. What do you say? Don't let a team beat you twice. Yeah, I think Miami let Texas A and M beat them twice. I totally agree with you. Actually, that was a great call. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. Let's save a little bit of time here and let's wrap up today's show with some pit hoops. I think oh. it's time we talk some hoops, man. I love it. I love it. I live All for right. college basketball season. Let's do this. Good. Let's take a quick one.
All right, and welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Gary and Chris with you, and we are, or Corey, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> not are, the first are, time I've gotten it. <laughs> it I happens it. sometimes, it happens. It's I talk first, to a that, ton of people, yeah. It's not the first time but, I've gotten Chris, trust me. Here we are getting ready to um, start watching this basketball team come together. You know, we're about a month out from the basketball season starting against Clarion on October 22nd. And let's give the people a little bit of a flavor of what this team might might look like, Corey. I mean, where are we at? What what should we expect? Oh, I can hear the theme song in my head right now. Dun, 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 dun. I can hear it. I can hear it right oh, I now. I love it. Oh, I love it. So, okay. We're going to scratch the surface on pit hoops because there's obviously – you know, Monday we're going to be talking to Jeff Capel after the fir- team's first official practice is Monday. We're going to be talking to Jeff Capel after that practice. We're going to be talking to some of the players after the practice. Take the temperature of everything. Obviously, Pitt coming off of a really cruddy season last year. 11-21, and 21, got destroyed in the first round of the ACC tournament. Ugly, 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 all things considered. Jeff Capel, where is he in terms of the hot seat, etc.? Okay, 2022-23 season. I will say on a surface level, the expectation for me, and this is kind of at a glance without having to delve too far into the rest of the ACC quite yet, I would hope for something closer to 500. And I would hope for an ACC tournament win, if not a competitive basketball game in that tournament. You got to crawl before you walk and walk before you run. The crawl before you walk is what Jeff Capel's doing right now with recruiting. And we could project starting fives and whatnot all you will. But what I can say right now is Capel's recruiting has definitely improved over the last few years. He's trending in the right direction. The 21 class was 109th nationally, dead last in the ACC. The 2022 class, obviously... Dior Johnson, massive get, right? 2022 class, 74th nationally, 13th in the ACC, a.k.a. not last. 23 class is currently 28th nationally and 4th in the ACC. And obviously, Carlington, uh, Carlton Carrington, I'm going to botch that so many times. Carlton Carrington, <laughs> uh, that's like Corey Christen. Same thing. I just did it. So, see? Well, you could just call him Chris. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. Good. That's good. So... Carrington committing in June, huge help, right? Let's talk about a couple of the new pieces on this team at a surface level. Again, Dior Johnson, the big hammer recruit. Former three stars, Greg Elliott, Blake Henson, and Nellie Cummings coming in via the portal. Pretty nice boost. The Diaz brothers look pretty good. Uh, Guillermo, obviously. Diaz Graham wins the, uh, the U20 FIBA Euro title with Spain over the summer. So there's pieces to like on this team is what I'm saying. At a surface level, right. Gary. And he, he likes to play a lot of the, the underclassmen, too. He likes to get in a lot of fresh bodies. He's not one of those coaches that tends to stick with a starting five, you know, the whole game. He loves to play his bench. So you like having a little bit of depth there. But, Corey, one of the biggest burning questions about this program has been all along, okay, he's recruiting all right. He's bringing in some good talent. 
why does so much of it slip away after every year? I mean, you see it happen all over college basketball, so it's not as though it's only Pitt, but it's been pretty disproportional. Let me let me throw this at you and see if you agree or not. I'll use pit football as a parallel. Just as pit football benefits from the portal, pit basketball up until now has been kind of hurt by it. Do you agree with that? I do. Absolutely. Yeah. And not just from the standpoint of directly impacting pit one way or another. I'm talking about the blue bloods in the conference. I'm talking Duke. I'm talking Carolina. I'm talking Syracuse. I'm talking a little bit Louisville, a little bit Miami, a little bit Florida State in recent years. That's what I'm referring to. And look, if Coach K or Hubie Brown or Jim Beheim offers you, that's a that's a phone call you pick up, right? Sure, absolutely. So in Notre Dame too in recent years. So under uh, Mike Bray, who I've heard nothing but fantastic things about. Um, so Nice, terrific coach. Right. So you have to think that getting a Dior Johnson as the feather in the cap for this class and these three-star transfers adding into a, adding into a John Hughley and adding into a, a Jeffries and, you know, adding to the, 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 the Graham brother, the Diaz brothers – it's a big – it's a start, right? And you're not expecting Pitt to go win the league this year. But like I said, that expectation of win an ACC tournament game. How would you feel, Gary, if I told you that at the end of the year Pitt was going to win a game of the ACC tournament given what you just experienced last year? I mean, I would think uh, that's probably a step forward. That's the way I would look at it. Uh, and I would be a little bit surprised. But is that what you want, at least, is, is a step forward? You want to see something from this yes, program. I'd that- like to see a step forward. Right. Absolutely. And I think that the point that I was kind of getting to is you start to feel like you are taking a step forward a little bit here and there, and then you almost take a step back. Right. And then you got to get into the portal, and you hope that he recoups it at least and maybe takes another step. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that has frustrated a lot of college basketball fans, Pitt in particular, nobody's seen this team built this way. Whenever we've seen them successful, we've seen it done with Ben Howland or Jamie Dixon, building the team, nurturing guys along that were lesser talents and and turning them into something. And now Mm -hmm. it's a completely different game. You talked about Pitt football having success in the portal and the basketball team suffering. It really probably has nothing more to do with anything than the position pit football was in when the portal became a thing Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. position that pit basketball was in when the portal became a thing. I love that point. I absolutely love that point. And I think you're hundred percent correct in this. from the standpoint of what Dior Johnson's commitment, what his recruitment, what his declaration and signing the national letter of intent, what that means. And look, it's just a prospect. We haven't seen him play live college basketball yet. Obviously, the ACC is not an easy league to play hoops in, right? So right. when you consider the start of it, and this is all we can do right now is just look at it from a paper standpoint. If Dior Johnson is what we think he is, this is a springboard for Pitt in a lot of different ways. And again, 
when you bring in three-star transfers, you bring three former three-star transfers, I should say, that helps. When you have Guillermo Diaz-Graham playing this international ball, when you have the, both brothers, for that matter, playing internationally, right. that helps. When you have a veteran like a John Hughley present, that helps. When you have Jeffries, and I know he's got the, uh, the, the ankle issue, he'll be back soon. That's a presence that's at least there to help along the way. I'm not looking for them to, you know, blow Duke out by 21 in, in uh, you know, Coach K court. But I'm hoping that, and Coach K obviously, you know, retired. But, but I'm hoping that there's signs of life in the home. You know, the conference schedule at home. There's some good matchups here: Virginia, North Carolina. You're looking at West Virginia, backyard brawl on the hardwood. Florida State, Wake Forest, Miami. Those are good home games. Louisville, you yeah. got Georgia Tech, Syracuse. You have good home games that can help build some momentum at different pockets of the season. And you have to take advantage of those, obviously, down the road. But you have to build yourself up to actually be in a position to do that. Pitt probably wasn't in a position to seize any kind of momentum like that in the in the previous years. Now they, Now I- they at least have a chance at it. One one more point on on what the portal does. I I think that maybe a lot of people kind of glaze past it. In the past, you would bring somebody like Dior Johnson in. There's no guarantee he plays quickly. With the portal, you yeah. get a chip recruit like that. He's gonna play because if Jeff Capel has any hope of keeping him here, he's got to see the floor. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Again, it's 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 the portal with every sport. Right, like along the same line, what we talked about with Keen Slovis v. Nick Patty. What message is Pat Narduzzi sending if he plays Nick Patty over Keen Slovis week one? You know, what message is he sending to recruits to say, "Hey, come play for me," except you're going to sit the bench, you're not going to play. You know, absolutely. From, from that standpoint, you got to play Keen Slovis. From the other side of the fence, if you're Jeff Capel and you have Dior Johnson, who is coveted still, and in this day and age, your recruiting's never over. You, if you have a player on your team, you're still kind of. I think, I think Narduzzi or it might have been Dabo Swinney. I forget who said it at the ACC football media days. You're recruiting your current players still. That extends beyond football. That's basketball too. You're still recruiting. Yeah, yeah. Trying to make sure Dior Johnson, not just to keep him happy, but just to show that player and and, and the other players too that this is a legit thing. An illustration of that is, Pat, is something as small as Pat Narduzzi. You'll see him on Twitter wish happy birthday to like players individually when it comes up. That seems so small and insignificant, but it's just that kind of acknowledgement that he throws out. Like individually, I recognize you. I'm thinking about you. <laughs> like that's the level that coaches have to get to now yeah. to woo these guys into wanting to stay. I mean, it's a constant process anymore. And the, and the portal obviously has had a big part to do with this, but it's so convoluted now and it's so vast that, you know, we can't hammer it down in, in two minutes or less on this podcast. So, you right. know. And uh, we're going we're gonna to spend a lot more time talking about basketball as we go on because I think it's a passion project for both of us, to be honest. So it, we're going to definitely have fun with that. Oh, I can't uh, wait for We're going to sprinkle him. it around football. I can't wait for hoops. But, uh, I love it. I love it so much. It's going to be so fun this year. 
I love it too. And we shouldn't pretend that the ACC is the same place it's always been. I mean, Coach Krzyzewski retiring is not insignificant. I'm not no. saying like it means Duke falls off a cliff, but you know, anytime that, that a change happens with the Blue Bloods, you have to think about what it does to the dynamic of the entire league. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jeff Capel is a disciple of, of Krzyzewski. So, you know, he, he's somebody that, that, you know, has learned from him and knows what he did. And, you know, you'd love to see him kind of put his stamp on this team and, and take them someplace. But this is a crucial year for him. I don't think anybody should pretend it's not. Oh, it absolutely is. I, I won't, I won't, you know, disagree with that whatsoever. I don't think he's hot seat, you know, fire him. If, if it's the same results as last year, I don't think it's there, but I think the expectation of where Pitt should be in a realistic sense. Obviously, the fans want improvement. They want ACC title. They want all this. In a realistic sense, based on where the program was last year, where it is now, after the offseason, you have to expect that improvement from the standpoint of win one ACC championship game slash don't get blown out in it. And right. perhaps improve, just improve on the record. Don't finish nine games under 500. Find a way to inch closer to that. If they're three games under 500, that's a start, you know, like I'm not saying if they finish eight games under 500, one game better, that's, that's an improvement because I don't think it is. It's kind of linear. If it's, I totally agree. And it's a five to six game improvement. That's different. Come March 7th. When, when day on lets you and I drive down to Greensboro, North Carolina together for this ACC tournament, (laughs) we're going (laughs) to, no, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fun season. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely looking for a little bit of improvement. But all in all, Corey, if you don't got anything else, I don't got anything else. And I'm ready to say it. On a fired up Saturday after a hit football victory, we're gone to the ACC, Gary. Let's do this. Absolutely. Georgia Tech, here we come. And hail to Pitt.